Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Dirt Radio. Organic. Friends of the Earth. Activism. Underground. Political action. Necessary. Wind farms. Indigenous struggles. Land rights. Anti-nuclear. Nanotechnology. Climate change. Coal barons. Mining magnets. Activists. Educating. Communities. Transforming. Communities. Mobilising a sustainable planet. Get involved now. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. Good morning. You're listening to Dirt Radio on 3CR with Jack and Sam. Good morning, Sam. Good morning, Jack. Um, I'd like to start by acknowledging that we broadcast live um, from unceded Wurundjeri land uh, in the Kulin Nation, and we'd like to pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging, and also acknowledge the continuing role that First Nations people play in environmental rights in so-called Australia. So, Sam, today... Last episode of the year. Last show of the year before we go to summer broadcasting. Yeah, ching ching on the beach and stuff <laughs> like that. Um, and what's on today? Uh, today we have Cam Walker joining us again, campaigns coordinator at Friends of the Earth. And we're going to be talking about what's going on up in the Alpine region and our forests, I think, and maybe a little bit of a wrap up of other things for the year. Yeah, good way to end the year, isn't it? I think so. So, Cam, can you hear us? Yes, I can. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome back to uh, Dirt Radio. Two weeks in a row, Cam. Yeah, yes. Uh, So, today we thought we'd talk a little bit about what's going on in the Alpine region. Uh, So, please do tell us, what is going on? Sure. So, most people that have been up to the mountains in northeast Victoria, you know, Mount Buller or Buffalo or Falls Creek or any of those places know that a lot of the high country is protected in Alpine National Parks, uh, the Buffalo National Park, Borbor uh, National Park and so on. Unfortunately, when all the parks were set up, they, they used what they uh, politely call economic boundaries. That is, they protected the areas with the higher forests, but not the forests with lots of timber that the industry wanted. And so they have been logging away for many, many years in that mid-level area of the Alpine Zone. And... Um, Basically now, after the 2019-20 bushfire, there's so little left of older forests uh, Mm. in the Victorian high country and sections of it are facing ecological collapse because we've had repeat fire after repeat fire. Um, So Friends of the Earth is now working in four key areas in the high country to uh, highlight how valuable these areas are and also to urge the government to intervene and protect them from logging. So for those people that don't quite understand how it works when there's fire after fire, can you just drill into why that becomes a problem in terms of forest regeneration? Yes. So if anyone's been out around, you know, Hillsville, Warburton area, you'll be familiar with the big, beautiful uh, mountain ash. Mm -hmm. Um, If you've driven that road, for instance, out of Hillsville up towards Narbathong and you go through those incredible tall trees. Yeah, it's so beautiful. It is. It's just spectacular. So the mountain ash, their stronghold is that area they call the Central Highlands, kind of King Lake to Noogie to Warburton to Hillsville. Mm -hmm. As you go further northeast, um, 
the really big trees that start to dominate are called the alpine ash. And they look quite like a, a mountain ash. They've got, you know, a kind of fibrous bark on the bottom and then a, a clean trunk as they get higher. Um, they can also live for several hundred years and often they'll have um, kind of a really interesting variety of animals living in them. So these trees, like the mountain ash, don't really enjoy um, uh, like severe fire. They'll cope with a, a cool burn running through them, but um, a severe fire will kill uh, the parent trees. And then what happens is they have a whole lot of seed in the soil, but the seeds are really tiny and they don't last long in the soil. Um, have a very short life so the seeds will take off and then the trees need 15 to 20 years before they're old enough to produce seed for the next generation but what we're finding is since about the year 2000 is we're having more frequent bushfires in the high country and so more and more we're getting fires that's killing the younger trees and so the seed in the soil becomes exhausted and so we're starting to see what's called ecological collapse and that is alpine ash forests that they simply can't regrow and they look like wastelands. There'll be stags, the big old trees that will be turning grey. The understory has been killed off, so the recovering trees just simply don't exist. And then there's other species coming up. And in some instances, um, it's even just grass and shrubs. So we've gone from having really tall, beautiful mountain forests into kind of like a, a shrubby, very fire-prone wasteland. And so that ecological collapse. And we know that thousands of hectares of forests, alpine ash forests, in the northeast and the east of the state are facing ecological collapse due to this. And the situation is actually so bad, the state government has intervened and has an aerial seeding program to try and keep the population viable but unfortunately we're losing more than we're able to regrow at this point wow tuesday morning with cam (laughs) uh so i think that's really important information to understand though that you know part of the the climate change consequence is uh the more frequent disasters fires floods the less likely uh, that the forests are able to get to a state of maturity to reproduce and, and to thrive and survive. Uh, Cam, coming back to the four areas that you were talking about, can you tell us a little bit more about each of those areas and and what has been the community response to uh, what's going on up there? People will be aware we have this amazing forest uh, activist movement across our state uh, in the Wombat Forest to the north of Melbourne in the Central Highlands uh, and in East Gippsland. But a couple of years ago, we, we realised that there was very little conservation activity in the northeast of the state up in the mountains. So we started to have a bit of a look around and look at the timber harvesting plans and then go and actually look at the areas that we could find on the maps. And we've zeroed in on four areas, three in particular, because A, they have amazing forests. B, they are in areas where they will be logged and become flammable and then become a risk to old growth forests that are further up the mountains that they're on. Mm. And C, because they're really important at a landscape level. So this logging will really fragment that is cut up towards the existing conservation reserves and start to fragment through roading and regrowth and the potential for severe fire and fragment these really beautiful landscapes that are protected in the higher elevation. So the four areas are the Dargo High Plains, which people might know the town of Dargo, 
the Little Dargo River, uh, which is up near Mount Hotham, Mount Wills, which is near our highest mountain in the state, which is called uh, Mount Bogong, uh, and also Mount Stirling, which is a really uh, popular skiing area near Mansfield. So at this point, uh, my understanding is that there is no logging happening, happening in Victoria. Does that include those all through that area? That is, and that's as a result of the recent Supreme Court injunctions that have been sought by groups like uh, King Lake Friends of the Forest and Environment East Gippsland, and they've shown that Vic Forest just hasn't been surveying adequately for threatened species before logging. So we do have this real breather where Vic Forest have said, OK, we're not going to log anywhere in the east of the state. So these zones um, are all protected, but really not for a period of time. Um, no one really knows. Those four areas that I've mentioned all uh, have coops on the timber release plan. They can be cut any time from now, I think, through till 2024 or 2026, depending on where they are. And what Vic Forest needs to do is go back in and survey properly and then potentially they could start logging. So the area that's really concerning us at present is um, up at Mount Stirling where logging was expected to start the week of November 21. They haven't been in there. Uh, they're not logging in there at present. We know that they are surveying, however, trying to, uh, you know, kind of tick the boxes um, so they can move in and they could start logging as early as uh, that early in, in January. And Cam, do you know what is the process for what is considered adequate surveying? Because I know uh, Friends of the Earth, our Forest Collective, as well as some of the Friends of the Earth Australia member groups, such as Gecko, uh, Watch, uh, uh, Victorian Forest Alliance, have been doing lots of really effective surveying. So what, do you know what Vic Forest's you know, guidelines are for what is considered effective surveying? Well, the key thing is they don't actually um, go to coops and survey them before logging. So they'll do uh, a, a, a desktop assessment, basically, and look at the data that they have and say, oh, it's likely there's old growth there or there's yellow is there or there's a threat gravilia there, and then they might send, send teams in. But there actually aren't the resources at present. There's a unit that does this work, but they don't actually survey all the coops before they're logged. Um, I'm a little bit hazy on this, but my memory is it's about 65% of the coops are surveyed. Uh, so that means that, you know, a, a significant portion aren't physically um, surveyed before logging commences. But then there's the question of, well, you know, have they been in there at the right time? Have they been in there, you know, in the middle of the night when the greater gliders will be active? You know, have they yeah. really looked thoroughly? Have they been there when certain plants will be flowering so you can identify them? So um, that's where the citizen scientists come in and Victorian Forest Alliance in particular has trained up this amazing team of people who are now skilled in identifying, uh, in being in the bush at night and finding their way through difficult terrain and, you know, identifying um, the areas where there are threatened species. So when we were up at Mount Stirling recently, for instance, we found what's called a feed tree, which has particular marks on it associated with the use by a yellow-bellied glider. We collected that data and then we've sent that into the government for them to assess. Yeah. So it was missed uh, in the surveys that were done, we have to assume, by the government, assume that area was actually surveyed and we've subsequently been back in there and there were teams in there, I think, last weekend. I haven't heard what they uh, may or may not have found. But, yeah, it's, it's kind of come down to the so-called citizen scientists to get out there, to get trained, to look around and then to report on what they find. 
And are Vic Forest and the government taking the citizen science seriously or does it always end up with um, local communities having to go through a legal or a court process? The government um, or the the relevant entity within the government will respond. Uh, Mm. But, yes, unfortunately it has ended up in court. There's been multiple Supreme Court injunctions sought now. And, you know, an incredible work by groups like King Lake Friends for Forest and Environment, uh, East Gippsland. You know, these are volunteer groups. Mm. They have to fundraise, you know, in order to get the expert advice. They have to uh, then cover legal costs. And they're at risk of having to pay Big Forest's um, legal costs as well, should they lose. So, you know, this is a really kind of brave and, and, and very courageous kind of group of people that have been slowly working through the court system for many years now. And because we have had a number of recent determinations where the community has won in every single instance, mm. we're hoping that Vic Forest will kind of, you know, eventually see the writing on the wall and just stop proceeding with the logging in the way that they're doing. And we think that with... Um, the Andrews government getting another term of government, this is a great opportunity for them to intervene now and to end the logging, the native forest logging. They've committed to end it by the end of the decade, but we know there just will be no forests left that are yeah. loggable by the end of this decade, especially after all the fire. So we are urging the new environment minister to intervene and to bring forward the logging, uh, the end of the logging, uh, much much sooner. Um, it's interesting because the Liberals, if they got in, they were going to tear up the the transition plan. They were just going to say, let's keep on logging forever. So in terms of environmental outcomes, it's good that we have at least a commitment to an international forest logging, but we need to really bring it forward into 2023, 2024. Mm. And Cam, with the surveys that they're doing, um, you know, they, they're surveying for areas where there might be native animals and species. Um, and what's sort of the end result of that when they actually go into these areas because I know when I was looking at the Tarkine in uh, Tasmania and they do these surveys and then what happens is the people logging will just leave a tree that they determine to be a habitation tree for things like gliders but then cut everything down around it mm-hmm. and just cause these sort of single silos of vegetation which is in my view not a sustainable practice even though they're saying it's a sustainable one yes it's it's better than it was, really, is the best you can say. And so it's the same thing here. Um, the court cases have set guidelines. Um, so, for instance, particularly buffers around uh, drainage lines and streams and ensuring they're protected. So it is that thing. It reduces the size of the area that can be logged because they need to go around and leave buffers around watercourses and around significant trees and around trees that are known habitat. And then once you've got a tree, you need to kind of add uh, a certain area of land around that tree to make sure it's not kind of isolated out in a clear fell. So it doesn't stop the logging, but it does reduce the footprint of the logging. It protects significant older trees and it protects significant threatened species habitat. So, Cam, tell us what's going on in the wombat forest and whereabouts is the wombat forest for those that might be geographically challenged? If you can think of kind of, you know, due north and slightly west of Melbourne, up around the Dalesford area, Blackwood, Dalesford, um, the wombat forest has been uh, 
much campaigned over for many, many years, and uh, local communities have campaigned for a very long time to get that protected in a national park. There's a lot of state forest there. There's an ancillary issue of mining, particularly gold mining, which is being resisted by communities up there as well. Uh, but it is uh, up on the Great Divide, so it's an important area in terms of water. Uh, it's really important for tourism, and it's also got a lot of threatened species. And unfortunately... Um, there was an enormous storm that went through there, I think it was last year, earlier last year, mm. which caused a huge amount of damage. So now there's a lot of what's called, inverted commas, salvage logging going on in that area. Um, and the community has, a, a really significant part of the community has been campaigning to have that logging ended. Um, so that is a campaign. Uh, there was a what's called a VAC investigation, which is a... a, a independent uh, commission that goes and looks at the ecological values of areas, it recommended that it be protected, but as yet it hasn't all been turned into a national park, and that's what the community is demanding. So this is this is really interesting. Um, often, Cam, when we think about um, people trying to protect forests, uh, the stereotypes is a bunch of, you know, feral greenies and loggers going up against each other. Um, both of them claiming to love the forest and live in the area and, you know, often at, at you know, pardon the pun, loggerheads around uh, w- what should happen. Um, Faux Melbourne is doing, in the Forest Collective, is doing some really extraordinary transition work that I don't think we really got to talk enough about last time you were on. So I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about this this shift in how we're thinking about uh, protecting forests and unlikely allies and communities, I guess, coming together. Yes. So you're right. We have kind of been stuck in this frame for decades now, you know, in simplistic terms, greenies versus loggers, and then you can put a class analysis over that of urban middle-class people, you know, against working-class people in the regions. And, you know, that's not a that's not a place we want to be. You know, we understand mm. that we all have concern for the forest in our different ways and we all have love for the forest in different ways and the the problems that us uh, we as environmentalists have is that the the so-called native forest industry is largely a pulp and paper industry and so it's very hard to accept that we can just just cut down these forests and most of it goes to this very low value product that ends up in landfill or Mm. gets burnt or you know isn't even reused so over many years, what's been happening is there's been the growth of the plantation sector and most of our sawn timber now comes from plantations. And we're down to this last little bit. And um, so we have been seeking to work with local communities to have round tables where we invite people from the community, from the timber industry, agroforestry uh, growers, so that is people who are growing timber trees on their private land, tourism operators, people who are just, you know, involved in their local communities to talk about what sort of future we want in these areas. And it's a very slow process. It's kind of under the radar around getting to know each other it's about you know building trust, it's about building relationships. But I think it's a really great model because it gets mm. us out of that kind of being in the trenches, yelling at each other model. <laughs> and, you know, we're not going anywhere. People in the timber industry aren't going anywhere. We all love these areas. You know, if you live in the regions, people want to stay there. And we need to find ways to make that economically viable. 
for people who are currently working in the industry. And we think there's a lot of work to be done in agroforestry, that is producing timber, and in land management and in fire mitigation and control. Mm. So we're working to the situation where people currently employed in the timber industry will get same-sector jobs and not be, not be forced to leave the region in search of work. And also uh, up around, I think it was Little Dalgo, uh, there was... I think an article or a story ran about the unusual alliance forming uh, between some of those uh, forest campaigners and, and people up in that area. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about that alliance? Yes, so that's also another unusual one. There's a family up there called the Treasures, and they have a multi-generational connection to that place. They graze cattle up there. Now, we don't think that cattle grazing in the Alpine zones should continue, and uh, we you know, were part of that very long campaign that thankfully ended grazing across all our Alpine zones. Mm. There's a couple of spots where grazing is still allowed on public land in the high country, and we're working with the Treasure family who continue to graze cattle uh, up on the Dargo High Plains. So if you know the Bogong High Plains, uh, near Falls Creek. It's kind of a similar landscape to that, but not quite as, as extensive. And um, they are facing a huge amount of logging in the catchment adjacent to their properties and adjacent to the forest where they graze. And this is an unroaded, like absolutely pristine, incredible forest. It's only had light fires through it. It's kind of protected by the nature of the landscape. Mm -hmm. It's got tablelands on both sides. So when fires come, they kind of trickle down into the valley. So it's got incredible old forests. It's got really deep cultural resonance for the Treasure family because they have been there for several generations. And we have been leading people to show them the uh, the upper Little Dargo River um, there's a track in there that we've helped reopen and we're actually going to have another weekend coming up in January and people can look on the Friends of Earth Melbourne website under events if they're interested. It will be a free trip um, to walk people in and to show them uh, you know, what, what is at stake. I think there's 11 logging coops planned in that area and it will absolutely devastate the Upper Valley if it happens. Mm. So that's a really nice segue as we move towards the end of the show. The future, next year, tell us, Cam, what, what is Friends of the Earth up to? How can people get involved and, you know, what, what's coming up where people might be able to find us and, and connect? Well, we're doing heaps of planning for next year. I feel that we're all pretty tired from a big year. <laughs> but, gee, there's a lot of enthusiasm in the organisation. We've had several planning uh, sessions already for next year. There's so much going on. I think everyone is loving getting back in out into the community, you know, after those years of mm. lockdowns and kind of limited mode. We've got lots of road trips planned. We've got lots of work in the regions. We've got citizen science. We're getting back out on the streets. We've got work in the western suburbs around buses. We've got work up in Murrindindi around forest transition. It's basically across a huge chunk of the state. Mm -hmm. And a really good starting point is just have a look at our website. Have a look at the event. You'll see all the campaign areas. You're welcome to attend those meetings. If you don't feel comfortable to come in person, most of them you can uh, tune in via Zoom. Uh, if you're concerned about just, you know, public health issues mm -hmm. uh, or attend, come along to one of the sessions and find out and get involved. It's going to be a really great year. Amazing. I am so extremely excited. Such a rad crew of organisers and activists at Melbourne working on 
um, such diverse issues. Cam Walker, I hope you do get a break. Uh, I hope uh, the fire season, uh, for those of you that might know Cam, is also a volunteer firefighter. I hope the fire season is not too bad over summer for you, Cam. Thank you, yes. So far, so good. I reckon we'll have grass fires out west, so we'll probably get busy later on in the summer. Yeah. Well, I hope in between that you do take a break, and uh, thank you so much for joining us on the last show of the year and keeping us up to date on all the amazing work that is going on in the forest and from Melbourne space. You're welcome, and I hope you two get a break in as well. Yes, <laughs> we are planning to. Yes. <laughs> good. Thanks, Cam. Thanks, Thanks Cam. for joining Thanks. us. Thanks, Jack. Thanks, Sam. You're listening to Community Radio. 3CR. 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 855 AM. A diversity of volunteers and is a great way to connect with Melbourne's activist community. Have you ever thought about volunteering, doing a reception shift, getting a program on air, training in radio skills, or contributing to one of the station's committees? There are many ways to be involved at 3CR. To find out more, go to 3cr.org.au and get in touch. have a few children's picture books or footy boots that your kids have outgrown but want to find them a loving home we'll drop them in at 3CR and put them in the books and boots bin books and boots regularly sends pre-loved children's picture books and sports footwear to remote and regional first nations communities and children across the country contact us at books and boots or go to the website www.booksandboots.org.au we love a good book You're listening to Dirt Radio on 3CR, just off the back of a great interview with Cam Walker um, about forests and the like. And I think it's important getting out there, say at the end, going out and actually seeing these forests and taking people to these forests. It gives people that connection, I find, you know, because they are, especially the old growth, it's magical, you know, when you Mm. get there and a bit of fog and got the moss on the ground and you're like where are the fairies at it's good yeah <laughs> they're all hiding they're all hiding yeah <laughs> they're like, like humans look ah. at this. Yeah. <laughs> and the huge trees so yeah. yeah you really appreciate age in a different way also i think when you go out into those forests and yeah get out there and touch a tree and say thank you it's good for you i know and speaking of thank yous uh we should probably think Everybody that has come on the show or produced a show or recorded an interview for us over the course of the year. Absolutely. It's kind of, it's not a show if it's just us two talking. I mean, it might be, but it probably won't be be as interesting. (laughs) (laughs) That diversity of people really helps make it what it is. It does. And a big thank you uh, also to 3CR for uh, once again providing all the space, equipment and training and things that we need to be able to do community radio. So I guess, Jack, my last point for the year on Dirt Radio would be subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Absolutely. Support 3CR and, of course, support for Melbourne. Go to melbournefo.org.au. 
you can become a member, sign up to volunteer, look out for some of those amazing road trips that are going to be happening in the new year with Friends of the Earth campaigners. And more importantly, if you have some spare change, please do donate both to Radical Radio and to Faux Melbourne. We are a member-based organisation, much like 3CR, and uh, it is up to the people that are the members and that support us with donations that keep us strong. We don't take money from awful destructive humans or corporations uh, so we are reliant on the kindness of strangers absolutely and it doesn't work without it you know there's a lot of good people giving up time you know if you don't have money that time as well is yeah time so is valuable. crucial crucial and there will be as cam talked about a lot more citizen science happening in the new year so if you would like to go out and stand in the forest in the middle of the night and look for gliders or you know lebeda possums or all yeah. the other creatures that come out at night um, and you're not scared of that. <laughs> yeah, there's that. So get out there. It's good, it's good for good Get out for the there health. and face your fears is what we say for the new year. <laughs> yeah, under the full moon. You know. Under the full moon with some very beautiful, kind people that will keep you safe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jack, it's been a great show. Big thank you to Phil Evans who, of course, started uh, doing Dirt Radio a few like quite a while back when I stepped out for a bit. And, of course, Phil finished up at the beginning of the year and has been road-tripping his way around Australia. Uh, but big thank you for his early efforts and also to Sam Cossa-Gilbert, our economic yeah. justice and resisting neoliberalism, longest job title ever, <laughs> coordinator, uh, who I believe is currently in Toronto. <laughs> yes, Canada, I think. Yeah, doing a bit of long service leave and lots of uh, travelling. So uh, thank you to both of them who were also co-hosts at the beginning of the year. So much has happened. It has, yeah. Big year. My goodness. Hopefully next one will also be big. It gives us plenty to talk about. Yeah, I think it's going to be great. We are looking for people to get involved with Dirt Radio. Uh, so have a think about it and get in contact with us in the new year. We will be back. Yes, we will. We will, but we're going to take a break now. Yeah, until... January. January sometime. Yeah. I haven't even thought about it. No, me neither. Oh, my God, it's Christmas really soon. Yeah, I know. Not done the Christmas shopping. Different story. I <laughs> hope my partner is not listening. Um, but, yes. We should Until go. next year, we should go. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Have a good break. When I was new to my on to lie on the road and I had like this fist with a carrot. Carrots are my favourite vegetable. Yeah, I think they were asking for help doing stuff and I got in touch. We I guess rescue food that would otherwise go to waste. I like the aspect of sharing food and um, not making anyone feel obligated to pay anything for it. We make a real point at Food Not Bombs of involving 